Welcome to the Cultural Cultivators podcast by Belay Creative and Cultivate Labs, where we explore the diverse and dynamic world of Filipino-American culture. In each episode, we delve into various aspects of film culture and speak with leaders, artists, and creators who are shaping and pushing the boundaries of their respective fields. Today's episode was recorded by Camper Snap Sessions in Southern California. Follow us on all social media at Belay Creative or Cultural Cultivators, both with a K. Sometimes I never win, but I was blessed with the golden skin. Don't stress about where you've been, just look inside, find what's within. Girl, you know you're beautiful, stand tall, unmovable. It's undisputable, you a boss bitch as usual. You a boss bitch as usual. I did so, I'm dipped in gold. And I know, and I know that'll break the mold. When you learn to love your true reflection, yeah, then you'll always be rich with a gold complexion. Ella J. Bosco wears many hats as an actress, singer, and songwriter. Starting with numerous commercials and TV gigs, she hit the big screen with her debut film in 2020, Birds of Prey, portraying Cassandra Kane. Not limiting herself to acting, she also released her inaugural EP titled Middle School, featuring the ballad of Cassandra Kane. In 2022, she continued to make waves in the music scene with releases like Gold's Eye to Eye, and Bubble Tea. Ella J also leads a band named The Sibs, where she collaborates with her two siblings, showcasing the multifaceted talent that defines her artistic journey. In this conversation, Ella J speaks on the importance for young people to pursue outlets they love. Doing what you love, I think, really helps boost your self-confidence and helps you understand who you are as a person because that's what you love. And I think... It's really important, especially for teenagers, to work hard at it and to find that sort of balance of working really hard, but also taking care of your mental health and taking care of yourself and, you know, hanging out with friends and all those things. So find what you love and then devote the absolute most that you possibly can to it without struggling. Also in this conversation, Ella J talks about what it's like growing up in a well-known Filipino-American family, how writing music and lyrics is therapeutic for her, and she gives me practical advice for parenting my son when he eventually becomes a teenager. Hint, hint, I gotta brush up on my TikTok skills. You can find Ella J on Instagram at Ella J Bosco. Thank you so much for coming today and being a guest on Cultural Cultivators Podcast. Why did I blink on our <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me, though. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to Emmanuel and Camper Snap Sessions. Yes, yes. Because without him and this beautiful camper, we would not be here today, quite literally. Literally, yes. <laughs> so before we get into it, I always ask this first question of all my guests and is there a shout out that you want to do for anyone living or dead? Shout out to my siblings, my brother Deuce and my sister Emerson. Yeah, they're great. We're in a band together, so I'm with them constantly. But yeah. What is the <laughs> band name? Technically, we're called Ella J. Bosco and the Sibs, but I sometimes feel kind of weird about my name being in it. So we're the Sibs. But yeah, that's who we are. I like that. The Sibs. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everyone knows you from your last name and you come from a huge Filipino-American family that has quite literally made waves in Hollywood for decades. Like, I remember watching Hook for the first time (laughs) and seeing your uncle Dante (laughs) in that. So what was it like growing up in a family of creatives? Really loud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, we would have family dinners probably one to two times a week and everyone would bring instruments and we'd all be watching movies i like to joke and say that we would watch like the oscars or any academy award show like it was like the super bowl and people would debate about it and our family we would play like little 
like acting monologue game so we were just constantly doing stuff and it was really fun too because like I don't know not everyone's family is like that and when I would bring my friends over and they would see it they would always just be like dude your family is crazy like yeah so it's fun and then how do you think that shaped your journey as an artist it's very helpful and I also think that it's cool to see how supportive you know my family is because I remember when I booked birds of prey i couldn't even technically say anything about it we told like a few family members here and there and then when we were allowed to say stuff about it i remember sitting at my kitchen table with all of my family members my grandparents were there my uncles my aunts whatever and i said you know i booked this crazy dc movie that's coming out and it's with marco robbie and all these things and my grandma like immediately screamed and started sobbing and she was going crazy and she was hugging me and everyone was hugging me and it was just so surreal at that point but yeah it's cool because they all sort of understand the deal with you know being in the business so it's actually like a lot easier you know yeah yeah I think so the last person we just interviewed literally in this campers nap session had the opposite experience where her family wasn't supportive at all because they want her to be a doctor that sucks like most Asians yeah so I feel like with your generation getting to have supportive Asian parents I think is such a game changer yeah it really is and what's funny my mom jokes about this too but she was like dude if you were ever a doctor or if you wanted to be a lawyer or something like I would have no idea how to help you and she was like i'd support you of course but she would be like yeah we're an arts family but i do have a lot of friends too that their parents don't understand their vision for their career and it sucks but that's why they come to my house and like yeah so it's fun and then get adopted by your parents (laughs) pretty much yeah pretty much yeah growing up in an artistic and creative family How did you know which genre and craft you wanted to focus on? Did you get to focus on dance and singing and all of it and visual arts? Or were you like, I'm just going to act and sing? Technically, I started acting because, well, pretty much my whole family, they're all actors. My parents started putting me in stuff when I was like six months old. Yeah. And so that was really crazy. And then here and there I would do commercials once in a while. But I was also very Asian taking, you know, piano lessons and doing piano recitals. And then my mom also put me in ballet when I was really young and I did like flamenco and I did all this. Yeah, it was really crazy. But I really started getting into acting too when I was about like, I think, five or six and I did this like one little thing in Grey's Anatomy and I was like oh my god this is so cool and this is what I really want to do and then I was also just you know taking music classes at school so then it like it kind of narrowed down at one point because I think when you're younger your parents put you into you know every single thing that they possibly can fit into your schedule and then at one point like it just narrowed down and I was like I want to be an actor and I want to be a musician and yeah and being that young, I think that's just so crazy and amazing, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Because so my son is one and he actually started to play the ukulele at like eight months old. Oh, that's so cute. And now he like he has a ukulele, has a little guitar and that drum is, set. And that he, is really cute. He loves it. I and, love that. And I feel like, OK, as much as I can support that. Right. I want to do that. That's great. Yeah. Me and my dad used to take ukulele classes together like in j-town at this one little store i think was the only kid in that class but i don't think they care and you would just learn chords and then they'd assign you songs for homework but yeah that's really cute how old were you i was oh i was maybe like nine or ten i think yeah because i was watching your videos (laughs) you playing your guitar and i was like good thank you really good thank you like blew me away it's a genuine obsession is why i think i'm decent at it or pretty good but yeah i play like every single day because i could not live without it like it's just in my routine so i think that's probably why but also shout out to all of my guitar teachers because they've definitely like shaped me into having you know good guitar form and all of that what was it about the guitar that really drew you to that 
specific instrument? I actually started on ukulele first when I was like, you know, nine or 10. And then for Christmas one year, I was maybe like 11 or 12, I think. My parents got me a, or Santa got me a guitar for Christmas. And they were like, you know, it's exactly like the the ukulele, but with a couple more strings. So it should be easy to transfer. And it actually was pretty easy because it's pretty much like the same notes and the same strings, just a couple more. And so I picked it up immediately and I started taking classes and I don't know. I just love the guitar. <laughs> so growing up, who besides your your uncles and your dad, who were some of your AAPI role models and inspirations in the entertainment industry? One of them is definitely Kihoi Kwan because the reason I wanted to start acting too is because my parents had me watch like all of these movies like, you know, Goonies, Annie, all of these movies with like just a bunch of kids together having a great time and I was like oh my god that's so cool I want to do that so Kihoi Kwan is definitely one of them because he was also the only Asian kid in that whole group and I also I would say like all of the little Asian girls in all of the like Disney shows and movies mm-hmm. um, I forget I know her name is Anna but I forget And I'm friends with her and I'm so sorry I don't know her last name, but she was in Camp Rock and she's Filipino too. It's cool to see like girls and just people that are Asian in shows that you wouldn't think they'd be Asian and then you're like, oh, they're Asian. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like half of the Disney lineup now is like, oh, this person's Filipino. Yeah, literally. Like, they're all Asian or Filipino, and I love it. And I think that's the same reaction I got when I found out you were Filipino. Oh, cool. <laughs> I saw Birds of Prey. Yeah. So speaking of Birds of Prey, you know, in 2020, you acted alongside Margot Robbie and Rosie Perez. And I think what the coolest thing, because I'm also a filmmaker, you got to work with one of the first Asian-American female filmmakers, Kathy mm-hmm. Yan, on a huge blockbuster movie. So I think in in my perspective and opinion, it made a lot of herstory. I like that. In yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah. So what was that like playing Cassandra Kane in a feature film opposite Margot Robbie and with a female Asian-American director? Working on Birds of Prey was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done in my entire life but yeah it was just so cool I mean not only was Kathy Ann she's an amazing director she was the boss the entire time every single guy every single person who was on set always had to confirm with her which was like the coolest thing ever and even in that moment I don't even think I realized how crazy that was until after shooting and doing a bunch of press and stuff but It was just such a surreal experience. And I mean, like, she was Asian and Kathy Yen was Asian and the cinematographer, Maddie Libatique, he's Filipino. The writer, Christina Hodson, she's, I think, half Asian too. So, like, literally every other person on that set was Asian. Like, the whole stunt team was Filipino and stuff. And Kathy would tell me all the time too. She'd be like, we're secretly, even though this is like a female-driven movie, we're secretly also making it an Asian movie. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So even some of the characters and some of the extras and background scenes were Asian and like Harley Quinn in the movie, her little role model mentor guy, Doc, is Asian too. And they're like, you know, eating Chinese food. So yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> and being a part of it and also getting to work with all those people. I mean, it was really cool, but as an actor, you know, and it being one of your first biggest roles, Mm -hmm. what was that like being on set? It was weird. I think it's partly because I was so young and also partly because it was my first time on a really crazy movie set but the thing is too I had been working before that pretty much my entire life so I understood like the general like etiquette of everything but I think with this there were just so many moments and so many things because it was also such a high budget film that just blew my mind like they would literally build sets and make things for the movie in like two seconds and there were so many specific weird little things that you would never think of 
that happened on set that were really cool too like the egg sandwiches they were made of duck eggs because margot robbie's allergic to chicken egg whites wow and i got to eat them too and it was so weird but (laughs) yeah so it's just little things like that that were surprising to me that you would never really consider or think about like on a smaller set or like a commercial set Mm -hmm. or like a tv show set and it's all different but yeah yeah i think most people who enjoy movies and watching movies don't understand all the things that go into making that movie magic. Right. Yeah. Until like you're on the set mm-hmm. and having to see all the things behind the scenes. Yeah. It's like weird stuff that you wouldn't think about at all while watching the movie. And then when you see like the behind the scene clips or whatever, like it's just crazy to like pick up on, you know? Um, and yeah, Birds of Prey obviously had a lot of that. And there's this one scene where we're eating Fruit Loops, mm-hmm. and um, I remember that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that scene was a good scene, but because we were both kind of me and Margot were on rigorous diets for like training and all of these things, the whole day we were just eating Fruit Loops. So we were like, "Is there a way to make it so we're not eating like a unhealthy version or like something like that?" Because we literally went through like boxes of Fruit Loops, and so then the props team. Because you can't really see up close the Fruit Loops. They made healthy versions of the Fruit Loops. And so we did a test run with them and they tasted absolutely horrible. <laughs> and so and so we were just like, you know what? We're just going to eat the real ones and deal with it later because we can't do the fake ones. Do extra lap around the set <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah, between yeah. camera setups. They were really good, though. <laughs> That's hilarious. So what was the process like getting into character, Cassandra Kane? Well, the thing is for Cassandra Kane, she's a little shit. I mean, like, <laughs> she's like, I, I don't know. Because when we were filming that and when I was auditioning for it too, it was kind of weird because I had to curse a lot. I had to steal. I had to go to the cops and all of these crazy different things that I wasn't really doing in As real life. Asian yeah. daughter. <laughs> yeah, what I, I wasn't really doing much of that when I was 12. So I watched a lot of movies and I had a lot of conversations with Kathy Ann and with Margot about like the character and who she is. And I read a lot of comic books as well. Ooh. That definitely helped me get into character as well and watching like all of those DC fandom YouTube videos about Cassandra Kane and her backstory and how she is in in the comics because it's really interesting but yeah I think being a real nerd about Cassandra Cain is definitely what helped get into character and I know it wasn't completely the same as the comics right Mm -hmm. her yeah like her origin story is something almost different right yeah it gets hated on all the time but I like the adaptation that they chose for Cassandra Cain because what some people may or may not know too is that Cassandra Kane was homeless for like a good eight or nine years of her life before meeting Barbara Gordon and Batman. And so in those years, I'm sure that's what they were using because she was homeless and then she went into foster care and she was doing all these things. So it's accurate in a sense too. And I think it's cool that you can take those sort of narratives and perspectives of Cassandra Kane and adapted into like a more nuanced version for Birds of Prey yeah and I think they did that very well thank you yeah Yeah. (laughs) so I know building chemistry with co-stars is really crucial for on-screen dynamics and actually how you develop a story Mm -hmm. so how did you approach developing strong connections with your castmates on Birds of Prey I mean for the most part it was pretty easy because they're all like the whole cast mary elizabeth winsett rosie perez journey smollett like they're all super nice and some of them were kind of more method actors than others but for the most part and i think this is also because i was the only kid on the entire movie like pretty much for the whole movie it was all adults and then me and they would go off and drink margaritas and I would have my like little lemonade drink that they made for me too like um but I mean it was pretty fun and the majority of the time I had the strongest relationship with Margot because we had the most scenes together we would get boba sometimes which was really fun 
And then it was funny, too, because on the first day of me filming, it was in the apartment when, like, you know, she takes me back to her apartment to hide out and stuff. But on that day, we both got each other gifts, which was really cute. And, like, it was funny because I think we both got each other, like, hats that said something on it. But it was kind of really sentimental and sweet. Because we were both like, you know, we're going to spend the next four or five months together. I just want to give you this gift. My dad, he loves customizing stuff for people. So I think it said like M-Rob or producer because she was also the producer on Birds of Prey as well. So it said something along those lines. And it was like a snapback cap. And then she got me a little beanie that had a heart that said feminist on it, which was cute. So do you still wear it? <laughs> I have it somewhere. It's just the thing is LA is like not a beanie kind of That's true. environment. It's hot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I have to find it. Yes, it's definitely you can't in my lose room. It. <laughs> no, I did I did not lose it. It's definitely in my room somewhere. In my closet, in my like section of hats. I just haven't seen it in a hot second. But <laughs> we don't need to know about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mom it's okay she'll clean her room soon yes <laughs> okay so i wanted to also say that when i was growing up we barely saw any asian americans on mm-hmm. major motion pictures right. big comic book films like seeing an asian person in a feature role is like non-existent back in like when i was growing up right right a long time yeah. ago but i wanted to say that you know i think your role contributed to a huge positive shift in- wow thank you <laughs> yeah it's true and in cultural representation in media and film and how do you see the importance of diverse storytelling with you know audiences seeing you in such a huge role Honestly, I think I see it differently just because I was in that Mm -hmm. movie. But like for other films and obviously Birds of Prey, but like for other films too, I think it's just really cool and it helps normalize having minorities in films, which should happen anyways, you know, because that's what's reflected in everyone's real life. So it's really amazing that more Asian people are being brought to the table when it comes to movies and TV shows but it is what needs to happen in order for people to change their perspectives on how they think towards certain people. Yeah, especially I think post-pandemic with the rise of Asian hate. Right. Right. I think that movie came during a time when we were getting so much violence towards us. Yeah. Whether that was physical violence or even like online, like mental hate and bullying was happening towards Asians mm-hmm. post-pandemic. So I really, again, want to commend you and Kathy about the intention of having Asians in feature roles. Thank you. Yeah. Like, yeah. that to me, is, I'm going to say it again, was her story. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah and yeah, such yeah. a huge cultural shift for us. And I see that and I'm like, I'm so proud of what you guys accomplished and did. Thank you. That... I can't wait for when my son's the right age. Yeah, to see it's that a little movie. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little crazy, but yeah, thank you. Again, like that movie is secretly Asian, like genuinely, like even when like you and McGregor's talking to the guy and then he kidnaps them, they're Asian too. Like, yeah, it's really cool too because even in the Comic-Con world, I'll meet Filipino girls and just Asian women in general like dressed up as me from birds of prey it's like so (laughs) weird but it's also really cool to see that and to have opportunities for asian girls to dress up as characters that are exactly you know them and there's been so many filipino or korean women who have come up to me and been like dude that was so cool that you are korean and filipino and that you're in this movie and that it's being represented and it's on crazy billboards all across la and that it's like in movie theaters and trailers and blah and like all of this amazing press and you're asian so i'm very proud and very grateful for like all the people who helped me accomplish that so I know we talked a lot about your acting, but you're also a super talented singer, songwriter, and musician. (laughs) 
how do you actually balance your life between the two? Because those are like pretty heavy creative pursuits. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just do it. <laughs> but it's like whenever I'm not acting, I'm doing music. And whenever I'm not doing music, I'm acting. Like they just go hand in hand to me. And people ask me all the time too, like which one is my favorite all the time. I mean, like technically I think it's acting, but also I really love music and I quite literally do it. But like even on set, I always bring my guitar or my ukulele or if I can't bring any of those, my Spotify playlist that I listen to on a daily. So I try to balance and support both of my pursuits. But yeah, I'm really addicted to both of them, music and acting. <laughs> so I have a follow-up question. What is on LOJ's Spotify playlist? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> a lot of random stuff. People hate on country music so hard. And I there's like a few songs that I do think are actually pretty good but i mean regardless of the whole country thing and like boy genius is definitely one of them they have been my absolute biggest obsession recently like even hold on i even like my phone nice the wallpaper home screen is boy <laughs> Gen- like i'm genuinely it's so bad but a lot of boy genius um a lot of Biba Doobie. She's Filipino. Nice. I have a, I surprisingly have a lot of Filipino artists on my playlist Ooh. too. Like Dominic Fike. He's Filipino. Steve Lacey. Steve Lacey, Filipino. yes. Filipino. Love that man. Um, yeah. Who else? Like Bruno Mars. Real great one. Of Olivia course. Rodrigo. Yes. She's Filipino. Love her. Um, so yeah. I'm just... I gotta support my people. On well, not only <laughs> support, yeah. but is there gonna be future collabs? Yes. <laughs> yes. We're here there, for it. There are some that I feel like aren't currently possible but could potentially happen in the future, but there are also some that people have been asking for that are coming soon. Nice. Um okay, I, I think I can say this, but like uh me and Ruby Abara might do another collapse. Yes. Yeah. I was just gonna bring um, up gold. Oh yeah. <laughs> Love Gold. <laughs> I love Gold. That's yeah. one of my favorite songs by you. Thank you. And actually, the first time we met, I don't, you're probably not going to remember, it was in 2021 when you performed yeah. Gold at Copple Gardens uh-huh. yeah, 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 in San yeah. Francisco. In San Francisco. Yeah. It was real cold there. It was too. so cold. Oh, oh I think gosh. half your family had to go to the store down the street to buy coats. Yeah. Because we're LA <laughs> yeah. little babies. But yes, I do remember that. That was really fun because a good amount of my family lives in LA, but there's also a good chunk of my family that lives in the Bay Area because that is also very Filipino. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love Gold and I think it's such a cool song and the music video is low-key a little bit messed up. <laughs> Why? Why do you say it? I mean, up? well... I don't think it's messed up, messed up. But the director, Leslie Alejandro, she's an amazing woman. And she's Filipino, too. Her and I kind of had this idea and conversation about whitening products and skin products that lighten your face and how it's so popular in the Filipino community and in the Korean and Asian community in general. But we wanted to call that out in the video. So we replicated like a soap commercial from the 50s but instead of like regular soap we made it like a whitening soap and it was called like brown be gone by karen and karen instead of like johnson and johnson (laughs) so it was i mean not totally messed up i think it was pretty cool because i got to wear like a 50s um little outfit and i had to learn like a transatlantic accent kind of but yeah so i mean it was fun um and if you haven't seen the music video, you have to see it. You should. You no, you have <laughs> to. Not a should. You, it's a get to. I recommend. <laughs> but that's what I love that song. I love the messaging of the music video and the song because it talks about self acceptance mm-hmm. and self love and self confidence, and also around the themes of decolonizing this European beauty standard. Right. 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 That so many of our people have been conditioned to think is the standard mm-hmm. beauty standard right, right? so you, you said it in the way smarter like better <laughs> way than i did yeah well I, I wrote it down i'm literally <laughs> reading what i wrote i agree though that's what it is yes <laughs> but that's what we're 
it's hot at such an early age. I mean, yeah. that's the whole colonizer thinking is if you're darker, it means you worked in the fields and it means mm-hmm. you're poor. Yeah. But if you're lighter or more white, mm-hmm. that means, you know, you, you have more money, more money, that. you're yeah. wealthy, right. you're upper class. Right. And so even today, the people in the Philippines want to look more white. Right. And what's funny, too, is that there's a good community of people that tan themselves and want to become darker. And there's so many products on the market now that can do that. Bronzer. Just, yeah. Or just like those like tanning beds. and stuff. Like it's just crazy how easy everybody flips, you mm-hmm. know? But yeah, I mean, I personally, my parents like loved when we would get darker and go over the summer and get three shades darker through tanning at the beach but there are so many people including ruby abar which is i think why she also really wanted to join onto this song too where it's like don't be in the sun you know put on like all all these things to make sure that you don't get darker and it, it really sucks to have to condition to that sort of mindset where you want to be more white and more like those eurocentric beauty standards so yeah, this song is like a F you to that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I Thank loved you. it. And also, I just think about like you being so young and speaking on these things. Like that blows my mind. Like it's so inspiring. Thank you. And so as a <laughs> I Fili- appreciate that. Yeah. And as a Filipino Korean American teenager growing up of all places in LA, mm-hmm. you know, where this expectation on beauty is so high. In what ways did you learn to love yourself and have that own self-confidence for your inner gold? Honestly, writing music, it's very therapeutic to me. And I think that's why I have such an obsession with it, because it really helps me get through my emotions. And then on top of that, getting to perform it is like such an exhilarating, like amazing feeling that I think definitely helps me boost my confidence there's this one song about like how I had this really like icky experience with some of my friends but it's called and sorry to the younger people watching but it's called um fake but it's actually called like fake ass bitch Mm. motherfucking asshole but like performing that song because it's such a heavy cursing song and it's like this really cool rock song and we performed it a bunch it's unreleased but we are releasing it soon but performing that to me is like something that genuinely makes me feel better as a person so if you're feeling down just play music I think yeah yeah and scream out the lyrics right literally yes (laughs) okay so what advice would you give teens that might still struggle with finding their own confidence besides listening to your song fake and screaming out the lyrics (laughs) i mean kind of along those lines if it's not music or if it's not acting doing what you love i think really helps boost your self-confidence and helps you understand who you are as a person because that's what you love and i think it's really important especially for teenagers to work hard at it and to find that sort of balance of working really hard but also taking care of your mental health and taking care of yourself and you know hanging out with friends and all those things because I constantly struggle with that balance but I'm working on it so (laughs) so find what you love and then devote the absolute most that you possibly can to it without struggling yeah finding your why yeah yeah that's very poetic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah. I think we, it's so funny. We just talked about that in our last episode with oh, Joy mm. is what helped her when she was going through and her parents weren't supporting her was finding her why and really grounding in that intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your intentions are very important too. I like writing stuff out. I used to think it was really stupid. I was like, what is writing like stupid little words in a little notebook going to help? But like it actually does. And I do recommend doing that too for your mental health. Yes. What are some of your intentions for 2024? A lot. I I mean, I don't know. 2023 to me was like an okay year but I do there were some really great moments in that year but I think for 2024 
my intentions would be to be a lot more patient. I can be an impatient person and to just be more genuine with people because I feel like sometimes it's really annoying because sometimes I even I, I feel like I do it in these kinds of settings or like when I'm at events or just like talking to people where I like put on that like interview sort of voice and then I catch it and I feel stupid about it but it's just like I just want to be more genuine with people so I don't feel bad about it you know I feel that 100% <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean though it's like that voice yes that and I do it subconsciously all the time I, I went to the unforgettable gala which is like a super cool Asian devoted gala and I was with my friend Aubrey she was in like modern family and a bunch of other cool things but Aubrey and my other friend Emerson Min and I was just talking to someone and then I turned to them and they're like why did you talk like that like what the like what is wrong with you like you know just talk like a regular person I was like dude I know I do it all the time and then we were like joking around and we were like what's your interview voice and then we all like immediately switched and was like oh my god hi so nice to meet you like and it's so much more high-pitched and like sort of fake but also like nicer you know it goes um, like eight octaves higher literally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so I know you've progressed in your career and you've evolved as an artist so what are the specific lessons that you learn along the way that helped you with your growth obviously like work hard I think that's the number one thing on my list that's very important to me I've learned to value my accomplishments more and I think it's just because when I become more of an like when I see it from more of an outer perspective like all of these crazy things that I've done throughout my career like it is cool and I love what my mom actually told me she was like you have every right to be entitled to your accomplishments and what you have done and you are like you have every right to be entitled in a way that's not obviously snobby or mean but entitled in a way where you know that you genuinely deserve all of these things because you have worked hard and had all of these successful accomplishments to become and be at that place so probably that (laughs) that's amazing thank you (laughs) your mom is so wise yeah, thank my mom. I love her. She's not here right now, but shout out to my mommy. <laughs> shout out to mom. <laughs> yes, yes. Your mom. Shout out yeah, to you too. Thank you. <laughs> a new mom. Yes. I just started this, so I'm still learning. Um, your mom. It's has- about to be crazy. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm like, well, it, I I'm just saying that because me and my two siblings, there's we all go through the phases together because we're all so close to each other we're only all like a year and a half apart from each other so we're all like little toddlers together we're all teenagers and then teenager and right now we're all teenagers so it's fun but it's also really like crazy so So then what advice would you give me for when my son becomes a teenager i mean like i don't think I could give any advice from a motherly place, but I think from a teenager's perspective, I think communication is like the biggest thing, especially for teenagers. And I feel like it's like both ways too, like parents and kids, just because I think at one point your son's going to want to go to parties or go on dates and, you know, like have all of those high school teenage experiences that I think are really fun. But yeah, communication is definitely a good one. That's something I really lack with my own mom when I was a teen. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's a struggle, but it's like my parents are a good mixture between really strict, but also like strict in a good way, but also like sort of hipster and laid back at the same time. And so we've had a bunch of conversations on like working on that balance. And especially because I'm the oldest sibling too, I'm like the guinea pig for you're the first boy yeah so like by the time they get to my sister my mom's like they don't care <laughs> no yeah not that, yeah, yeah, not mean, that like, they don't care but they don't care a little lenient yeah and yeah. i'm like what you never <laughs> let me do that or like you never let me wear those clothes when i was that age or blah, 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 blah. um that's okay i love my little sister okay so i also wanted to ask what acting projects are you currently working on and 
Is there a particular genre or role that you want to explore in the future? Currently, what I have that's technically already being promoted in the books is this short film that I filmed with the amazing and talented director Andrea A. Walter, who actually DP'd Fabulous Filipino Brothers. Nice. Because she's Filipino too. But it's called I'm in Love with Edgar Allan Poe. And it's such a weird little short film, but it's like a 20 minute little short about me and my best friend. And we try to resurrect Edgar Allan Poe. So that one's really exciting. I'm really excited for that because it was one of the first more YA, like the real YA category of what I've done. And I mean, that's like my favorite thing on the planet too because it's young adult stuff and like coming of age and some romance comedy things. That's my main stuff that I really like. I hope to lead in some sort of coming of age movie in the future, which might already be happening. No, Ooh, <laughs> hint, hint. Maybe. Be on the lookout. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I love that for you. Thank you. Manifesting that. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so what advice would you give to other youth or teens that also want to do acting as an art form? Working on your lines is very important. Reading your sides. Reading the script for whatever project it is to better understand your lines is very important because the majority of the time when I do get auditions too, it's like I I constantly ask, do you have the script so I can better understand? Um, Being an absolute nerd about acting and watching movies uh, that you think might be like your character or um, some people like method acting. I don't know, but I mean, that's pretty cool too. But yeah, if you just really immerse yourself into the characters that you want to play, I think that will definitely help you better understand and hopefully, you know, book whatever you want to book. Yeah. And then once you book, what's one piece of advice you would give someone who's not worked on a big budget set or even a set at all? Something that's really important that like even my friends who aren't actors don't even know either is that there's a lot of like patience and a certain kind of etiquette that comes to working on a set because it's a team effort and sometimes there are situations where like I've walked in to plan on working and I'm in my costume and makeup and hair and everything and I wait for like three hours and then they don't end up shooting what they had planned for me to shoot and then I just go home and then we do it another day so it's always being open I think is something that's really important and being able to work as a team member and understanding that sort of level of patience I feel like I I just described that as it being like super lame and boring but it like sets in that environment is also such a fun and crazy thing especially when you have inside jokes and games and like we would play badminton and hacky sack on the set of birds to prey and we would get like the 80s and production people a part of it too and then we we would all just play but like yeah having fun and enjoying it but also learning to be patient and have a good team mindset yeah Yeah. i I agree being flexible yeah that's really important too yeah because sure. things on set just happen sometimes and you have right. no control. Yeah, over you have it. no control. And sometimes like the people who are in charge have no control mm-hmm. over it either. And it and sometimes it sucks. And sometimes there are some people who get really mad about it or really frustrated and sometimes it blows up. But sometimes people are also really nice about it. So it's all up in the air. That's a great attitude to have, not just on set, but just like working in any kind of team environment, I think. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I kind of want to switch gears to okay. music because yes. <laughs> you started a band with your siblings called. Mm-hmm. I know you don't like well, saying no, your first name. It's, it's not that I don't like it. I think it's funny and I think it's cool. And honestly, like, because when we were deciding the name, yeah. I feel like I say it in like an ironic way where it's like, LG Bosco. <laughs> but that's the name on like a lot of the bills for shows that we play. Yeah. But it's also. A mouthful so the sibs is also cool i don't know i well okay what yeah, do you prefer i have a weird relationship with that name <laughs> honestly what's a cool medium version that i really like too is 
EJB. I was just going to say that. Yeah, because it's like, it, it is my name, but it's also like the smaller version. We Yeah, I don't know. We might change our names. I don't know. We'll, I'm speaking while, while my siblings aren't here. They're very outspoken, just like I am too. So we shall see. <laughs> Well, my question for you was, what's the process like writing music and lyrics with your siblings? Because I know you have a lot of experience doing it on your own yeah. and sort of expressing yourself in, in your writing, mm-hmm. your lyrics. But what is that process like when you get your brother and your sister involved? Well, right now, and I mean, pretty much all the time when we're not doing a band, like, I'm the boss. So, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> nice. I mean, so like, well... The thing is, my siblings started doing music a lot later than I did, and their passion for it is obviously different than mine and in good ways and in bad ways. But I pretty much write like the songs and the ideas of the songs and then we'll produce it and make it a song like with my producer. Shout out KC Dunmore. He's my main producer guy. I love him. But anyways, yeah, so I'll like work on the songs or whatever and then they'll come in for the live performances and either help write the music uh for the live performances and the drums and the bass and whatever they're doing but I mean they're my siblings so it's like I love it and honestly it's way easier sometimes than having a band with your friends because it's like you all live in different places and you have to coordinate because like my sister she has a second band with all of her little friends and they're constantly like texting each other like when are you free blah 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 like how is this gonna work out but because they're my siblings we all just go to my brother's room when all of us are home you know so it's a lot more convenient in that way but also because we're siblings and our connection is very teenager right now and like just like puberty and hormones and rolling your eye like we do fight a little bit sometimes but it all works out and our performances you know we all like to huddle before we like do our performances and we'll talk to each other and be like you know fucking kill it get it like we got this but yeah i love them so <laughs> with that all to say i do love them <laughs> <laughs> i love that as a mom i love that <laughs> yeah maybe your son will have siblings no pressure (laughs) i mean whatever you want i love only childs one of my cousins is an only child but siblings are pretty fun too yeah but that's why we're filipino we have a lot of cousins yes i have so many cousins i was gonna say how many cousins do you have sometimes there are cousins that tell me they're my cousin and i'm like i'm of course you probably are i just like we have so many that i just literally don't know like i feel like I don't know. My friends like to joke, too. And they're like, Filipinos, they have really big families. But do they really have big families? And I'm like, dude, you've met like 20 percent of my family. And there's so many more that I'm still like really connected to that. I'm sure you've never even heard of my, in my whole life. Or you haven't even heard of probably, probably in the Philippines. Probably. <laughs> Filipinos, they're so interconnected and not in like a weird way, but in like a cool way, you know. Yeah. And so, I mean, last year I found out that I had cousins in georgia wow which i had no idea about and then i actually did a show um called a friend of the family with uh jake lacy and mckenna grace and like um anna pack all these cool people but yeah i it, it was in georgia and then my dad was like i think we have family out here and then we like hung out with them for the first time ever and that was really cool that's so, so cool yeah yeah <laughs> That was great. <laughs> I feel like with Filipinos, you literally can go anywhere yeah. and find out yeah. you have some distant cousin. Mm-hmm. It is. I will say it is Koreans, too. Really? I mean, I think it's just because we're in a Filipino environment right now that I tend to talk more about Filipinos than Koreans. But, I mean, I just went to my cousin Randy's wedding. He's technically, I think he's my uncle, but I call him my cousin. I don't know. But it's that sort of thing, too. And there's so many things I think that are similar where it's like, you know, Filipino families, like in the same aspect that Korean families have, like, um, I don't know, just like playing games and having a lot of food and like just going crazy karaoke. That's a very karaoke. Like karaoke, I feel like is the perfect blend of me, too, because it's like it is very Filipino, but it's also very Korean. Like those little K 
K-pop karaoke rooms. Those are my favorite. I love doing those. Yeah. And being the center of attention. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I love it though. So have you been to Korea and the Philippines then? I haven't been to either. And it's making me so crazy. Maybe. Okay. We need to set up a tour That's my Yeah. That's my goal for this year too. Yes. To go there because I haven't been to either and it makes me so mad because I'm like Korea is so cool and the Philippines is so cool and I think my parents definitely want to take us I think we're probably gonna go at some point in the next few years so yeah I don't know I think that's why I was so sad that Birds of Prey came out during the pandemic Mm -hmm. because you guys didn't do like a proper publicity tour well I mean we did kind of because it was like right on the edge yeah of when it was april COVID. 2020 yeah. yeah 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 but the movie came out in february and we were doing press for it in january and december and november and all those months uh, okay. before in in 2019 so we actually i mean it was pretty cool we went to brazil new york we did stuff in la obviously we went to london that's where the premiere was that was crazy but we were supposed to go to like asia and i think japan and well japan is in asia but we were supposed to go to like other places as well that got canceled because of covid but i mean regardless of that i think it was still a pretty crazy press tour and like some of the craziest experiences of my life but like in the best way possible that i could have ever experienced yeah it's amazing to do international travel. So next yes, time, very fun. You have to add, you have to put that in your contract that you have to have a stop in the Philippines and yes. South Korea. Yes, because yes, people yes, yes. will go That's crazy. What I do. They will go crazy to see you. Aww. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's I. Yeah, I really want to go to the Philippines and Korea. My mom wants to go to France, and my sister wants to go to Paris and France, and like that too and we went to italy one time which was really fun but i really want to go to asia yeah obviously korea definitely the philippines definitely korea both of those but also like maybe japan and like thailand and oh thailand you'll love yeah. thailand yeah i just i want to go to it all so <laughs> just do a whole asia tour yeah it's all really close for sure. anyways for sure. and really cheap to travel yeah in wait Ash- someone told me though that from korea to the philippines it's actually like a like an eight hour flight or something oh but yeah i i could be totally wrong (laughs) i have no idea (laughs) yeah and then my brother was saying he was like oh to just make it cheaper this is my brother impression but (laughs) he was like he was like oh just to make it cheaper we should just do like a one way to the philippines and then philippines to korea and then korea back to you know la you should totally no no you should totally (laughs) do it's worth it to spend like a couple of months if you can i yeah eventually now that you're done with high school yeah maybe i study (laughs) abroad i'm learning korean too there you go maybe korea my it's my korean is so bad though and my mom laughs because i had to it was i because even though i graduated i'm doing like college classes now but i had to do this like presentation at the end of my korean class where I had to talk for like five minutes and my mom was just watching the video back and she was laughing at me so hard (laughs) but I'm learning so we could go and maybe I order like a bunch of Korean yeah in in Korean Um, do you speak Tagalog no I don't either it's okay (laughs) that's like it yeah there's like a there was like a whole I've had so many conversations about this too because it's like well because my Korean side her whole family speaks korean my mom and she is an immigrant from korea so that was her first language and then english is her second language but with my dad his parents used to speak and i could be totally wrong about this but i'm pretty sure this is how it is but my dad his parents used to speak tagalog and now they only slightly understand it but they had to assimilate in order to fit in in the united states and so my dad and his brothers were full like all american boys and were i mean and actually yeah i do know this for a fact too because like literally like seeing videos of them and all the little shows that all of my uncles and my dad were in like they were the token filipino brown boy i mean i don't even think they were known as like filipino like i think they were known as like the brown 
boys, you know? But yeah, so I should learn Tagalog though. I know Isa that's only because I count in, that's as much in as in I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's really just for my songs. And I, yeah, for like counting in Tagalog to shout out my Filipino fans. Well, you're still young. So learning a language should be a little <laughs> bit easier. For uh, yeah. You. Yeah. I got to do one at a time, though. So I'm I'm starting with Korean and then hopefully I can learn Tagalog at some point, too. So my last question, what are you currently geeking over? Clothes. I'm a major teenager and I'm a major little girl and I love clothing and I love thrifting. That's really fun. It's a great thing to do with your friends. And again, boy genius. Not that they are ever watching this and maybe they might, but like literally I'm, oh my God, I have a genuine, really bad obsession with boy genius. So probably that too. I just got new posters of them too. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I lied. Last question. Where can people follow up with you and see what's coming next? I have Instagram and I have TikTok and a YouTube channel. Not like an actual, but like my music videos are on there. And I think I have Twitter and Facebook, but I don't personally use them. I think there's just like my stuff that's posted on there. But yeah, social media or I don't know if you ever see me in person. I love talking to people, obviously. So yeah. Say hi. Say hi. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, LJ. It's literally been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yay! I'm like hand hug. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. You're amazing, me. and I love I your energy. I will hug you over this table, or well, maybe after. Yeah, yeah, after. We'll chat after <laughs> for sure. Thank you, um, and thank you to Manuel and Camper Snap yes, Session Cameraman. We appreciate love you man. so much. Today's conversation really hit home on the incredible impact of having supportive and understanding family, especially for artists. I think it's a nice contrast to last week's episode with Joy, whereas Ella J's Asian American family, who, despite being loud and unconventional, played a pivotal role in shaping her positive journey as an artist. Her lively family dinners, Oscar nights turned into Super Bowl-like events, and the shared excitement over career milestones like landing a huge role in Birds of Prey showcased the depth of her family support. It goes beyond mere acceptance. It's a genuine understanding of showbiz and how to navigate it. And this lesson, wrapped in the warmth of family, serves as a powerful reminder of the priceless value of family support when you're out there chasing your own dreams. And why does this matter, especially for artists of color? Well, speaking as a Panay actress, filmmaker, and writer myself, I faced tons of hurdles rooted in racism and colonization. And one of the major ones was the conditioning and messaging I got from my own grandma and family members. I remember my Lola would constantly tell me I couldn't be an actor because no one on TV or film looked like me. And it took me almost 15 years to release this toxic idea rooted in racism that I couldn't pursue my dreams because of my brown skin, because of my flat nose, or just the fact that I look too Filipino. 15 years to unlearn and finally accept that other people's limitations are only projections of their own not-enoughness often stemming from centuries of colonization and colonialism. So, when you're surrounded by folks who not only believe in your dreams, but remind you every day that you deserve to share your gifts, share your light, and share your truth with the world, nothing can hold you back. And I think you can see that lesson is crystal clear in today's episode with the talented Ella J. Bosco. You can find Ella J. on Instagram or YouTube at Ella J. Bosco. Cultural Cultivators is hosted by me, Nicole Salover. 
stay in touch on Instagram at cultural.cultivators with a K. Or you can follow me at Kindred Kapoa. Today's episode was recorded by Camper Snap Sessions. This podcast is co-produced by John Reyes, Kindred Kapoa, and Balai Creative, and is a product of Cultivate Labs. Ready now?